More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Hi, folks. Great to have you back. Great to be back. Great to be with you. As always, middle of the week, it's hump day, and this is the EIB Network. Sadly, uh, this, this place may be one of the last outposts of reason, sanity, and and not panic. Anywhere in the media, it's incredible. It's it's, it's incredible out there, and I, you know, it's it's it's. I don't know, folks. I've got uh, personal perspective on this that many don't, and I'm wondering if I should even introduce that into my thinking in terms of what I share with you about my thinking on this. And I'm just this this whole thing. It just it, they're just a gigantic cloud of suspicion hanging over all of this, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm going to try to explain it as the program unfolds before your very eyes and ears today, because it's it. I I just can't look at this as an isolated thing. I have to put it in context of everything that I know has happened in the last four years. And finally, something has come along that is accomplishing everything every enemy of Donald Trump and us has wanted to accomplish for the last four years. And where did it come from? It came from China. And who has been warning us about the Chicoms for longer than anybody else? And that would be Donald Trump. He was right about them. He has been right about them. And it just... Look, I know that there's a lot of people genuinely scared out there. I know there are a lot of people really, really scared out there, and it would be futile on my part to try to talk people out of that. I wouldn't even try. But all I can tell you is I'm not. And maybe tell you why. As I say, I have different perspective on this than, than, uh, than many do. At any rate, we'll get, uh, all of this will become clear to you. I'm in my setting the table mode here 
as we kick off yet another excursion into broadcast excellence. We'll get back to this in a minute. How about Harvey Weinstein? Did you have you heard about this? Twenty three years in prison is his sentence. Now, I, if if I'm Harvey Weinstein, I'm going to tell you the first thing that hits me. And I'm, I've got my lawyers in there, and they're asking for five years. And lawyers are asking for a sentence of five years because I may not make it any longer than that, which I think is a crock, but that's what they're saying. It's what they told the judge. Harvey's in a walker. Harvey's this. Harvey's that. Harvey's incontinent. Harvey can't uh, needs Viagra. It's falling out of his pockets. No, nothing to worry about with Harvey anymore. Five years ought to do it. Then they packed the court. The first two rows were rape victims that were in the in the uh, in the courtroom today. And the, the, the range, the sentencing guideline was anywhere from 5 to 29 years. He gets 23. Now, this guy gave the Clintons more money individually than maybe anybody else out there. If you combine how much he gave Bill and how much he gave Hillary. And if I'm Harvey Weinstein and I'm sitting in Rikers Island today... And my lawyers just told me that, yay, buddy, you're looking at 23 years and we haven't even gotten to the trials in Los Angeles yet. And we haven't even gotten to the potential trials in France yet. And he's looking at 23 years at Rikers. Well, it won't be at Rikers, but that's where he is now. 23 years. And I'm saying to myself, if I'm Harvey Weinstein, what the hell did I give the Clintons all that money for? What did it get me? Especially when Bill Clinton's out there roaming free, still capable and able of doing whatever he wants to do. I'm the guy that enabled him to get reelected, well, in part. Weinstein, folks, Weinstein gave these people money like you can't believe. And after he had reached his limit, he's out there raising it for them and he's bundling it for them. Weinstein was one of the primary money men of the of the Clintons, and of Obama. And he's got to be sitting there saying, what did it get me? Now, neither the Clintons nor Obama are in office, and they can't pardon him now. That's not what I'm talking about. But where was the influence? Where was the assistance? Where was all the help while all these trials are going on? Where's Bill Clinton calling people, doing what he can to limit the damage here? I don't think Weinstein's asking anybody to get him out of this since about 23 years. Can you, if if I'm Harvey Weinstein, I've got to be livid. And I know things. For example, was Harvey Weinstein ever on Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express jet? What do you think the odds are? I don't know. I haven't seen it. But I'm just, uh, this is the way these people think, folks. This is what, you know, Weinstein and a lot of these people giving the Clintons money, yeah, they believe in the issues. Yeah, they believe in the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 about much more than that. It is buying uh, influence. It is buying location. It is buying access and I know the Clintons are not in office now, and there's not much. But I'm still, if I'm if I'm Harvey Weinstein, well, wait a minute. How come how come I'm in here for 23 years? I gave these people all this money, and they're Roman free. And in fact, she, Mrs. Clinton's running around acting like she may try to pick up the pieces of the Democrat primary. 
The Democrat primary. By the way, when you move on to that, what? Folks, this is a... Democrat leaders are trying not to cancel the rest of the primaries. They're canceling all of the rallies. They're canceling. They want to cancel the debate. They want to just proclaim plugs the winner and end everything now. Because of the coronavirus. Yes, the coronavirus. We need to be safe. That's not why they want to do it. The guys out there calling voters and telling them, you're full of shit. They can't have this. They can't have the the guy's senile for crying out. Let's just say it. The guy's got things going. They can't leave him out in public any longer than five or ten minutes. Meanwhile, you got crazy Bernie over here who is... Can, what a fall. Look at how things... This is why polling data two years ago, two months ago doesn't matter. It's why people making predictions three weeks ago doesn't matter. Who could have predicted everything that's happened the last three weeks? Stock market down 5,000 points. Bernie Sanders now in the rearview mirror and almost invisible, and yet he was the uncontested frontrunner. He was running away with it three weeks ago. Now Bernie Sanders is practically invisible, and the Democrats are not even worried about where his voters might go. They're not even worried about trying to, the only Democrat worried about trying to accommodate Bernie and his voters is Van Jones. The rest of them out there are assuming, and by the way, how does this, how is it that plugs cannot draw flies to a rally, and yet look at the turnout for plugs in all of these primaries? How does this work? Do you realize how little of what's happening here makes any logical sense? Joe Biden can't draw flies. Joe Biden, Biden is, if it weren't for his varicose veins, he'd be a totally colorless guy, folks. He's senile. He can't create any excitement anywhere he goes. And yet, when they have an election, he's running away with it ever since the South Carolina primary. Meanwhile, the same people tell us, you, don't, you, can't, you can't judge anything by how many people showing up at Trump rallies. That doesn't tell you anything. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't matter how few people are showing up at Plugs' rallies. Look at So now the, the, the Democrat analysts on TV are asking themselves, well, wait a minute, what does this mean? Does this mean this massive turnout for Plugs? Does this mean the Democrat voters really love Biden? Or does it mean they really hated Hillary? Because one of the things they're noticing is, is that Plugs is turning out voters like Hillary could only dream of. In the Democrat primary in 2016, Hillary couldn't draw flies, and she didn't get people turning out to vote. Plugs doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know who he's talking to, doesn't know what he's saying. And people are showing up in droves to vote for him, but they wouldn't go 10 feet to attend one of his rallies. And so now the experts are trying to tell us this just means that Democrat voters love Biden. They've loved Biden for a long time. They love a fighter. They love a guy who's going to get in there and mix it. That doesn't tell us anything of the sort. All of this this, that's taken place here in the last three to four weeks raises more questions than we can possibly answer here because none of it makes any sense. Based on the baseline knowledge that we had four weeks ago. None of this makes any sense. And yet, it's happening.
And that's why I say you are where you need to be for any of this to be analyzed in a in an antiseptic, unbiased, get to the bottom of it, truthful way. But I'm telling you, folks, I've, I've there's so many red flags about things happening out there. This coronavirus, just all of this panic is just not warranted. This, I'm telling you, when I when I tell you. When I've told you that this virus is the common cold, when I said that, it was based on the number of cases. It's also based on the kind of virus this is. Why do you think this is COVID-19? This is the 19th coronavirus. They're not uncommon. Coronaviruses are respiratory cold and flu viruses. There is nothing about this except where it came from and the itinerant media panic that you can't blame people reacting the way they're reacting if they pay any even scant attention to the media. If you read just two or three media headlines a day, pick one, pick two, pick three at random, you're going to think that if you leave your home, you've got a good chance of dying. And you don't. But you know, I can't. There's no way we here can stop a panic. There's no way we can talk sense into a panic. I wouldn't even try. But I'm t- just to me, this is just a gigantic series of, of question marks and red flags. All this stuff that is it just it's the timing of it, the objective, the the gleeful, the gleeful attitudes in the media about this, the gleeful attitudes that Democrat leaders have about this. I'll tell you what's really more scary than anything is how the American people, some Americans, I don't know how many it is, seem to be okay with being told they can't do this and they can't go there and you've got to stay here and we're going to quarantine you there and we're going to wrap you up over there. We're going to put you in this cocoon here and you can't leave. and you Okay, okay, fine. With, no, not okay. I think Andrew Cuomo knows what's best for you. Put this little quarantine around New Rochelle. For, I mean, it's just this. This. This is just too much of this. To me, appears to be made to order for objectives that have long been held by the American Left, the Democrat Party, the media, what have you. I tell you what. Let me take a brief time out, and uh, here, here before the timeout. In Chicago, the mayor of Chicago has just announced that they're not going to dye the Chicago River green. It's St. Patrick's Day next week. So they're going to eliminate. They do it every year. They dye the Chicago River green for St. Patrick's Day. I got to do that. The downtown parade and the Southside Irish parade have all been postponed as part of this weekend, St. Patrick's Day. Over 100,000 people were expected to fly to Chicago. They're not going to go to Chicago. South by Southwest gets canceled. The mayor in Austin cancels it. And shortly after, then starts begging people who live in Austin, hey, go ahead and go outside. Go ahead and go patronize some of our business. Go ahead and go out to eat. Okay, if it's okay to do that, why did you cancel South by Southwest? Well, because the Inertia was set in motion. We're going to be canceling everything. We're canceling everything we're going to do. Any public meeting. We're going to play basketball games with no crowds. The baseball season's coming up. We're going to play baseball games with no fans in the stands. 
How, how long is it going to be before the NFL decides, you know what, we're going to do studio only? No, no fans allowed at any of our state. Where does this end? When you realize there are diseases out there that kill many more than are being killed by this, and the people that, that are suffering mostly from this are elderly people who already have respiratory problems of one kind or, um, or another. Anyway, look, I, I'm sure you can tell i got to be very careful how I navigate this because the media is just waiting for people to come along and act like it isn't a big deal so they can point fingers. Now, I am fully aware of this, folks, but you know me. I can't fake it in here, and I can't act out things that I don't believe. Well, actually, I probably could. You know, J.R. Ewing, once you fake integrity, the rest is easy. But I don't like going down that road. Don't even want to have to try. Anyway, let me take a brief break. We'll come back and continue with much more on the EIB Network right after this. Hi, how are you, Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network? As usual, half my brain tied behind my back just to make it fair. Now, here we go. Now, we, we have uh, the, the stock market's down, what, a thousand points again today? I haven't checked in about an hour. Uh, yeah, 929. So now it wipes out everything that was regained yesterday. The stock market, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, is down 5,000 points since February. That's almost 20% of the decline in the last 40 days, folks. This is, we were on the way to 30,000. This is on the way to wiping out the U.S. economy. And it's going to be more than just Donald Trump and his re-election chances to get hurt if that's what happens here. We're almost back down to 23,000 now, when just a few short days ago we were on the cusp of hitting 30,000, Dow Jones Industrial Average. Nothing like wiping out the entire U.S. economy with a bio threat from China, is there? Oh, and you can't call it the China virus. You can't say anything about it coming from Wuhan. No, no, no. See, that's racist. Can't do that. Even if you try to urge calm, they'll say that you are in denial and that you are not serving people properly. So we're all supposed to be in panic. Well, uh... What are those of us who are not panicking supposed to do? Act like we're in panic so that we can relate to people? Because if you don't act like you're in panic, then you're in denial. And if you, if you, if you point out that this, this whole thing came from China, why that's racism and xenophobia and all that, and yet, We've got a bio threat. We got a bio threat, and it in fact started in China. And look at the damage that it is doing to ah look American industry, the American economy. My, you know, watch TV, watch the news here. Like Bernie, Bernie Sanders has an announcement, by the way, at the top of the hour. In 32 minutes, crazy Bernie 
uh, is going to make sense. He lost four primary states last night. I don't know what he's going to say. All I know is that Bernie has vowed to support Biden if he wins. Bernie doesn't have any fight in him. I've told you this for the longest time. Bernie is not a fighter. He can be bought off with another house, maybe a Hawker 800 private jet. Uh, so I don't know what he's going to But with the coronavirus out there, as bad as it, why is anybody talking about anything else? Why does it matter? The Democrat primary and all, and the camp. Why does it matter with the corona? Why is why is anything other than the coronavirus even being talked about by people? Huh? Remember, my friends, just wash your hands very often, frequently, for at least 30 seconds with warm soap and water. Do not sneeze on anybody. If somebody sneezes on you, turn away immediately and curse them out. And then slap them. And then leave. And go immediately wash your face and wash your hands. For at least 20 seconds with warm soap and water. Greetings and welcome back. Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network. Look, the Democrats have no choice in some of this. I understand. But that still doesn't give them the right, if you ask me, to totally wreck the U.S. economy along with their own problems. I mean, look, Joe Biden... Folks, I'm just going to call this out exactly as it is. Joe Biden is a walking disaster, and they know it. He is senile. There's something not right about Joe Biden, and they know it, and they're stuck with him. They've got nothing else they can do unless they want to open up their convention to... And they don't because they don't want Hillary. The people that are paving the way for Biden are simply paving the way for themselves. And they are not the people who like Hillary Clinton. Uh, And this includes a lot of Obama people. The bottom line is the Democrats know that Biden is a disaster. They went into panic mode. Bloomberg dropped out. Bloomberg was supposed to save the day. Make no mistake about this. Bloomberg was supposed to save the day. Bloomberg was supposed to put into play what the Democrats believe, and that is that money will buy anything. In politics, money will buy anything. They forgot to factor that Bloomberg is not likable. They forgot to factor that Bloomberg doesn't have a personality, doesn't have any charisma. He doesn't have to have any of that. He's a gazillionaire. He doesn't have any likability about him. He doesn't have any infectious aspects of a personality. He just goes out there and buys everything and fires people that don't do what he wants. But that didn't work. Bloomberg dropped out when he figured out the Democrat Party was ripping him off. He spends $500 billion. 500, 500, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody got 15% of that for placing all the ads. He finally figured he's being ripped off. So Bloomberg drops out and buys a cabinet slot from Biden. I, I guarantee you that Bloomberg has some kind of guarantee from Biden. He's going to have a cabinet position of some kind. And remember, anybody who has a position in the Biden administration is going to have real power because Biden is not going to know where he is day to day. Do not, I'm not, don't laugh. I'm not trying to be funny. This is the serious thing the Democrats are faced with. They have, they're going to nominate somebody who, by the time the election comes around, may not know 
where he is minute to minute. And the rest of these people dropped out. They did the same. Buddha Judge Amy Klobuchar, I guarantee you they got some kind of guarantee from Biden for some position of relevance and meaning in a campaign in an administration for getting out. And then Bernie stupidly, what did Bernie do when all of this was happening? Bernie starts extolling the virtues of Cuba. In the old Soviet Union, he made it impossible for the Democrat Party to coalesce behind him. If Bernie would have just shut up and kept talking about how evil corporations are, he might have been okay. But he goes on this, we love Cuba, we love Castro, we love Che Guevara, we love Moscow. He starts doing all that and makes it impossible. The Democrats love those people. They can't be public about it. So Bernie's going nuts. And Biden is their only chance because they don't want Hillary. Do not doubt me. She may be the last to know that, but they don't want her. And then true to form, true to form, after they had no choice but to go to Biden, Biden goes into full derangement mode. Now they're back to destroying Trump. Or rather, they've never quit trying to destroy Trump. Now they've re-energized the effort to destroy Trump because they have no virtues to extol on their side. I wouldn't be surprised if Pencilneck revs up impeachment hearings at some point down the road on Trump's mistakes here in handling the coronavirus. And do not laugh at me about this because I think these people, this is all they've got. This is all they know. And I'm not predicting it, but I'm just telling you I'm not going to be surprised if you hear one day down the road Adam Schiff starts speculating about Trump being impeachable because he is incompetent in dealing with this major national worldwide health crisis. Schumer's already setting the stage for it. Schumer's out there. You don't deal with a health crisis with a tax cut. Somehow Trump thinks the solution to everything is a tax cut. You don't do that. So they're going to they're, they're, they're setting Trump up for being incompetent, impeachable. I don't know if they'll follow through on it, but don't be surprised if they do. They're going to have to send out the Democrats here are going to have to send out future cabinet picks as surrogates to do Joe's campaigning because he can't do it. They can't leave him out there more than five or ten minutes. He's not going to be allowed to talk for more than 10 minutes. He's not. He's going to be the nominee. He's going to be the presumptive nominee, but you're never going to see him in that role. They're going to have all these surrogates out there, his cabinet picks, some of the people that might be in line to be in the cabinet. And then they'll come up, oh, vice president, it's going to have to be a woman. There's going to have to be some kind of diversity vice presidential pick that they'll have to put out there. Um, who will be suitable for becoming the next president. Don't be surprised if it's not Stacey Abrams from Georgia. Don't be surprised if you see she's out there already talking about how she wants to be vice president, wants to be president. She thinks that she's the governor of Georgia if it weren't for having the votes not counted properly. So don't be surprised if they come up with some diversity pick to be Biden's VP, because whoever they pick as his VP is going to actually be president before long. And then the real fun's going to begin, because whoever's going to be actually running the Biden administration, will they still be able to after Biden has fled the scene for whatever reason and his VP assumes office? This is how critical things are for the Democrats right now.
They've got nothing left now but this last chance to destroy Trump and the economy. That's where we are right now, because the the Democrats, the bottom has fallen out of their presidential campaign. Once Bernie Sanders imploded by extolling his love and adoration for uh, Castro and and the Soviets... And some of the other stuff he went nuts on. And when, when now, now Biden's senility is obvious. And they don't want Hillary. And I don't even think I don't even think they want Michelle Obama. The people we're talking about do not want Michelle Obama. She may want it. Who knows? I doubt that. But regardless, the Democrats are now back. to really having no choice. This is their last chance to destroy Trump before the election and not necessarily by virtue of impeachment just destroy him destroy his approval rating uh, destroy his you know drive a wedge they've been trying to drive a wedge between Trump supporters and Trump for four years now so here you here they, they've got the way they're looking at this I mean, you, they're, they're the ones talking about this could be an opening for the Democrats. And when you call them out on us, oh, no, 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 we're not hoping people get sick. We're talking about the economy. We're talking, okay, fine, chance to destroy the U.S. economy for the benefit of the Democrat Party. And this is what they've got going for them. The next 30 days, folks, the next 30 days are going to be critical in avoiding a meltdown panic throughout the American population. Even people I know, people that you know, people you know and trust, people you know and trust and believe are reasonable, are in full frenzy mode over this. People are losing money left and right because economic activity is being canceled on them left and right. Conventions are being canceled. Speaking engagements are being canceled. Trips are being canceled. All kinds of economic things are being canceled on them by governments. State and local governments are canceling all kinds of things which are going to have a profound negative impact on the economy. The American tech industry, which supply chain rooted in China, is being sent into a frenzy. All because of the actions of governments. So we'll see where things are going. As I say, with with the coronavirus as dominant a subject as it is, why is anybody even talking about the Democrat campaign? I'm talking about the media. If this thing is as bad, as, why, what, what does it matter who's the next president? We're going to be wiped out, right? What does it matter who's the next Democrat nominee? We've got a full-fledged medical medical bio panic on our hands. So what does it matter who wins? Well, whoever wins, Roche could save us. Save us. Save us. Save us from how? how, how, how politicians going to save us? Is that what we're being told? That that can't happen? Anyway, let me uh, let me make a brief time out. And because uh, I must have seen profit break here scheduled, we'll be back and continue after this. By the way, uh, I haven't I've seen it officially. I've been told that the World Health Organization has now officially declared the um, coronavirus outbreak a global pandemic. Now, I've not seen that. 
Anyway, I've, I've, I've had that uh, told to me. Uh, and grab audio soundbite number. No, ladies and make sure you wash your hands in 20 seconds uh, with warm, preferably hot water and soap. And make sure it's not scented soap. You know, that stuff can be. Go out and get something plain and dull and dryball like Dove soap or some such thing as that. And make sure you drink water. Consume fluids. Well, every 15 minutes, you know, set a reminder on your phone. Drink water. Sparkling water is fine. Effervescence and bubbles in there is fine. Make sure you have a bottle of water next. And just get a reminder every 15 minutes on your phone. Just go, hey, Siri, remind me to drink water. Every 15 minutes, it's all you've got to do. Hey, Siri, stop. I'm HomePod. All right. I've added it to reminders. Thank you. I, I, no, I don't need to be reminded. I was just demonstrating for people how, how, how to do it. Hey, Siri. Cancel my last reminder about drinking water every 15 minutes. I didn't find any reminders about drinking. All right, good. Uh, so, so I don't, I don't need. I. And remember, if somebody sneezes on you, turn away as fast as you can. And sneeze yourself. Get it out of there, and then turn around and slap them for being rude. Tell them not to do that again. It's very impolite and so forth. Here's Donna Shalala. Grab audio sound by number 23. Right on, right on cue, right on schedule. This morning on Bloomberg TV, Balance of Power, a question for Donna Shalala from the Clinton administration. How far behind this virus are we? There's a perception that we got off to a sort of a slow start with it. Is that fair? We have not understood that we need to fund state and local health departments at a very high level because they're our first line of defense. Now we have to understand that there's another virus coming, maybe a year or two from now. I don't know its name, but we better be ready the way we are for hurricanes in my community, where we have the staff in place, we have the systems in place, we have the resources in place, and if we need additional resources, we can automatically get them. She's a member of Congress now from Florida. She lives down in Miami, Coral Gables. Uh, so there's another virus coming. Did you hear that? She doesn't know the name of it, and she doesn't know where it's coming. There's another virus coming right on that, right on the heels of the, of the coronavirus. Now, to me, this is irresponsible. She's speaking statistically. She doesn't know there's another virus coming. Uh, who's next? Uh, we're going to start on the phone. Marlboro, New York. Stuart, uh, welcome, sir. Great to have you on the EIB Network. Hello. Rush, many prayers to you. Um, just to put this in perspective, um, these are statistics from the National Institutes of Health and the CDC. Over 70,000 people in 2017 died of opioid overdose. Um, there are 38,000 auto deaths last year in the United States alone. These statistics are for the United States alone. Uh, nearly 99,000 people died in the United States alone in 2018 when they entered hospitals and it's called acquired, um, like staff, strep, and other um, 
uh, illnesses. Right, they're perfectly fine. They went to the hospital, they got infected, and they didn't get out. Yeah, And they died. There was a confirmed today, there are over 220 confirmed cases of malaria in New York City alone. In the last flu epidemic of 2018, 41,000 people died. In 2016, 10,000. What is your point here? My point is, this is all blown out of proportion. This is all a setup. In fact, the good tyrant Cuomo said today, I'm worried about the health care system being overwhelmed. And if this is not a play to take over the health care system of this country, I don't know what is. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, you, but, well, wait a minute. Who, they already have the health care system. Government already runs health care system. What do you mean the play to take over the health care system? To eliminate private health care. Oh, 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 I see what you mean. Yeah. Man, with all those statistics, uh, especially, I guess, folks, I guess, should, should we be surprised that any of us are still alive? All right, here it is. The World Health Organization has declared the coronavirus outbreak a global pandemic. Fox Business Channel with the news. We are also approaching uh, DEFCON 5 here for Crazy Bernie. It's uh, got a press conference he's going to conduct about two minutes from now, if it starts on time. Uh, 1 o'clock Eastern. He is uh, back home in Burlington, Vermont. And he's going to have some kind of uh, campaign update after uh, really, really shattering, uh, devastating, disappointing, bomb-out results in yesterday's primary. Lost four states. Wasn't even close. And everybody, media, breathlessly wondering what Crazy Bernie's going to say. I have no idea. All I can tell you, the guy is not a fighter. I don't care what he says he's going to do. He doesn't fight. He rolls over and lets whoever wants to take him out, take him out. So we'll know in a short minute or two. Well, Crazy Bernie is, I don't know, I don't know the media might have thought he was going to concede and give up and quit, but I didn't think that. I just, I, <laughs> I know. He started out by saying Trump is a racist, sexist, homophobe, xenophobe, religious bigot. He checked off every box, every box, every box that the liberal Democrats think about conservatives, racist, sexist, homophobe, xenophobe, religious bigot. Has he said anything about the coronavirus yet? You know, I, I, you know, I left the room. I had to leave. There's certain things I can only do during commercial breaks, and I had to go do those things. And so I didn't think the clown would start on time. These guys never start on time. And to come back in here, and he's already at it. So Cookie is rolling uh, on the audio, and we will uh, have that just, just so I can hear it. I didn't even hear the insults of Trump. Uh but it's it's it, it, look the guy is a caricature. This this is the I'm telling you the worst thing that could happen for Biden and the Democrats is for this guy to go on. 
And for this guy to go on with his agenda and with the things that he's been saying, this is one of the reasons they've had to circle the wagons around Biden is to head this guy off at the pass, which it looks like they have done uh, on the delegate count. He's got a yeoman's job ahead of him overcoming the delegate deficiency uh, that he has now. And I, you know what else? I also think he's probably heard the talk from people like me that he's not a fighter, that he kind of rolls over. And I guess because he sounds a little bit ticked off here during uh, some of this. In fact, our microphones are there. Let's jip a little bit of this just so you can hear a little bit of crazy Bernie. people will go bankrupt in our country. That's what we need. Because of medically related debt. And what are you going to do for the working people of this country and small business people who are paying on average 20% of their incomes for health care? Ah, come on, man. Joe, what are you going to do to end the absurdity? Of the United States of America being the only major country on earth where health care is not a human right. Well, are you really going to veto a Medicare for all bill if it is passed in Congress? Joe, how are you going to respond to the scientists who tell us we have seven or eight years remaining to transform our energy system (laughs) <laughs> before irreparable harm takes place to this planet because of the ravages. Right, and we can't go to Mars change. now. Elon Musk Joe, said we're not going to be able to... when most oh, no. young people need a higher education to make it into the middle class. Uh-oh. What are you going to do to make sure that all of our people can go to college or trade school regardless of their income? And what are you going to do about the millions of people <laughs> who are struggling with outrageous levels of student debt. Forgive it. Joe, at a time when we have more people in jail than communist China, a nation four times our size, what are you going to do to end mass incarceration and a racist criminal justice system? And what are you going to do to end the terror that millions of undocumented people experience right now because of our broken and inhumane immigration system. Isn't this great? This is he's challenging Joe, what are you Biden do here, folks. About the fact that we have the highest rate of childhood poverty of almost any major country on earth and are living with the fact that 500,000 people tonight are homeless and 18 million no, families are spending Bernie, half of their income to put a, a roof day, over their heads. Daytime right now. It's not Joe, importantly, what are you going to do? to end the absurdity of billionaires buying elections and the three wealthiest people in America owning more wealth than the bottom half. Why does anybody people. want to live in this country anymore? So let me conclude. You listen to I this began. guy talk about America. Why Donald does anybody... Trump must be defeated. Yep. And I will do everything in my power to make that happen. On Sunday night, in the first one-on-one debate of this campaign, the American people will have the opportunity to see which candidate is best positioned to accomplish that goal. Thank you all very much. All right, that's that's crazy, Bernie. That debate, that debate, the Democrat Party is trying to shut it down. They don't want it to happen. They can't dare put Biden out there in front of this guy. They can't do it, folks. Greetings and welcome to the EIB Network. Great. What do you mean they can't do it? 
I'll tell you, they're going to shut it down. Carville and Clyburn are, or let's just end it. Let's just end the campaign because of the coronavirus. Let's end this. Let's end that. No more debates. Let's just be done with it. Here, I've got the sound bites coming up. Grab soundbite number three. You haven't heard this since James Clyburn last night on NPR. I think it is time for us to shut this primary down. It's time for us to cancel the rest of these debates. Because you don't do anything but get yourself in trouble if you continue this contest when it's obvious that the numbers will not shake out for you. He's telling Bernie, you don't have a prayer, man. We're going to shut this down. We're going to shut down the debates. No more debates. We're going to shut down the primary. That's going to be it. Now, see, Bernie began by saying that even though he's behind in delegates, he's actually winning. I love the way Democrats calculate these things. Bernie says he's actually winning because the country really wants socialism. Especially the young people and the young people of the future. The young people want socialism. Brian, you got that chart? I sent you that chart and I've, uh, for the Ditto Cam. And let me find my copy of it here. Where did I put this? Because, don't, don't put it up yet. What did, did I find it? Here we go. All right. This is. This is a uh, summary of Michigan exit polling. Now, uh, I'm going to tell you what the chart says, because depending on how large your screen is, this may not be showing up for you. This is a summary of exit polling by age, by demographic. And what it shows is that Bernie's right about one thing. It is baby boomers that are the difference for Biden. The left-hand column there is Biden and the right-hand column is Bernie. The question, which of these age groups are you in? So in the 18 to 24 age group, Michigan exit poll, 83% of that group voted Bernie. 81% of 25 to 29-year-olds voted Bernie. 62% of 30 to 39-year-olds voted Bernie. 51% of 40 to 49-year-olds voted Bernie. The only two age groups that voted for Biden in a majority are 50 to 64 and 65 and over. That's the baby boomers. And that's, that's who's vaulting Biden to victory, at least in Michigan. Only 16% of 18 to 24-year-olds in the exit poll said they voted for Biden. Only 15% of 25 to 29-year-olds did. 34% of 30 to 39-year-olds voted for Biden. 45% of 40 to 49-year-olds did. 66% 50 to 64 and 73% 65 or over. And by the same token, 50 to 64-year-olds, only 27 voted for Bernie, 27%. So... It is safe to say that the baby boomers, at least in Michigan, are the ones who are electing plugs. Even left-wing baby boomers are scared of communism because that's what Bernie Sanders is. Bernie Sanders represents communism, and even left-wing baby boomers are voting against. Now, Bernie's problem here is that in a general election, the 18 to 40, well, the 18 to 39, they don't vote. 
let's maybe more more accurate to 1834. They don't vote. The youth vote never shows up in a presidential race. Uh, now, another way of looking at this is that the number one group most susceptible for the coronavirus is voting for Joe Biden. How do I know that? Well, because, folks, the number one age group susceptible to the coronavirus is 60 years of age and older. And by if, when you get to 80, if you're 80 years old, you are really, really susceptible to coronavirus. So maybe if you're 80 and somebody sneezes on you, you don't turn, you slug them. You don't slap them. You slug them in the face if they sneeze on you. And you don't shake their hands. And if you're 80 years old, you don't get anywhere near anybody that's even coughing. So the coronavirus most susceptible crowd is all in for Joe Biden. He could make a campaign slogan out of that. Because he's, he's, he's being propelled to victory on the backs of those most likely to get coronavirus. You, you could say they want to vote one last time. One last time and their vote is going to be for Joe Biden. You could, if you were Biden, you could look at it that way. You could make that a campaign. So you got one vote left. One vote left. Make it for old Joe. Vote Biden. I, I can see the T-shirts. I can see the uh, I can see the buttons, the bumper stickers. You got one vote left. You're in the coronavirus susceptible age group. Vote Joe. You already are anyway. If you're a Democrat, Corona Joe. Corona Joe. That's it. That's his. That's it. The number one age groups supporting Biden happen to be those most likely to get coronavirus. So Corona Joe is the new demographic that's electing Biden. We don't know that there's any tie-in. I'm just pointing out that the age groups are what they are. So let's go back here. See, this is this is the Democrats. This I, I spent a lot of time on this in, a, in the previous half hour. When Bernie went off the rails and started praising Castro and Che Guevara and Soviet communism and so forth, they were up a creek. They had to go all in with Biden, but Biden doesn't know where he is. Biden is senile. And so now here comes Bernie challenging Joe to the questions, giving him. Actually, I think this is very nice of Joe, of, of Bernie. Do you know what Bernie's doing? He's doing a Donna Brazil here. Remember how Donna Brazil gave Hillary the debate questions in advance for CNN? Well, Bernie's being a nice guy. Bernie is telling Joe, here's what's coming in the debate on Sunday. I'm going to ask you these questions, Joe, and I expect you to have answers for them. So he's giving Joe Biden a little cheat sheet. The Democrats do not want this debate to happen. Here again. Play James Clyburn, now that you've got the, the context here. Play Clyburn, and we're going to follow it by Carville, who's next. I think it is time for us to shut this primary down. It's time for us to cancel the rest of these debates, because you don't do anything but get yourself in trouble if you continue this contest when it's obvious that the numbers will not shake out for you. So they want Bernie to give up? 
They want Bernie to concede now. It's, you know, we're not even to April. They want Bernie to concede now. Not even half the delegates have been chosen. They want Bernie to concede. And here is James Carville last night on MSNBC. Remember, remember, this is all about November. These voters want to shut this thing down. I mean, you can just look all across the spectrum of the Democratic Party and people are saying, we made our decision. This is who we're going with. According to 538, there's a 99 to 1 chance that Vice President Biden is going to be the nominee. Let's shut this puppy down. This thing is decided. There's no reason to keep it going, but not even a day longer. Isn't this fabulous? These are the same. These people want to get rid of Trump. They want to use the coronavirus to destroy the U.S. economy. They want to get rid of Trump. And now they want to shut down their own primary. Based on a poll, based on Nate Silver, based on 538, and 99 to 1 chance, shut the puppy down, shut it down, we're done, we're done. Democrat Party voters done made up their mind. This is it, this is it. They want to go no further, no way, no how. Is that what Democrat voters want? Well, James Carville out there said, Democrat voters, shut the puppy down. We don't get no further. No, we need to go anywhere down the road. It's done deal. Done deal. We got our guy. We got Biden. He's going to be the nominee. We're going to put him in the attic. We're going to put him in the attic. Nobody's going to hear from him, see him at all until November. That's their plan. Here's David Axelrod. You think we're exaggerating this a little. Here's last night's CNN special coverage. It's Obama's campaign manager. One of the strategic questions is, what are you trying to accomplish on Sunday? Do you think you can actually topple Biden in a way that could have this galvanic effect that completely changes the physics of this race in a way that seems uh, impossible? I do think that you're going to see enormous pressure from all elements of the party to uh, yield to the results that we now can see and start getting about the business of trying to deal with defeating Donald Trump. This is incredible. This is incredible. They want to shut it down before anybody has the, the, the number of delegates needed to win the nomination. You want to talk about screwing Bernie Sanders twice. This time they're doing it in public. This time they're doing it in front of everybody. They screwed crazy Bernie in 2016 with the superdelegates and so forth. He went along with it. Now they are screwing the guy in public, folks. And they're doing it on the basis that you Democrats want this shut down. You don't want this to go any further because everybody's made up their minds. We got our nominee, got our guy, going to be Joe Biden. Democrat Party has made up its mind. That's who it's going to be. We need to put it all to bed now, put our candidate to bed, put him up in the attic until November, says James Carville. Right, so we can get back to panicking everybody on the coronavirus, too, all the time, full time. All right, grab audio, soundbite. Well, let's just listen. Here's somebody's 2425. Here's Crazy Bernie. Uh, as he opened his uh, presser at 1 p.m. Donald Trump is the most dangerous president in the modern history of our country, and he must be defeated. Tragically, we have a president today who is a pathological liar and who is running a corrupt administration. He clearly does not understand the Constitution of the United States and thinks that he is a president who is above the law, in my view, he is a racist, a sexist, 
a homophobe, a xenophobe, and a religious bigot, and he must be defeated, and I will do everything in my power to make that happen. Wow. I mean, that pretty much uh, runs the gamut. <laughs> Crazy Bernie not sugarcoating anything there. And then he's he lowered the gauntlet to Joe Biden. He comes out here, he has a one o'clock press conference speech throwing down the gauntlet using the drive-by media who thought he might concede to issue a challenge to Biden to show up Sunday for their uh, for their debate. And here's how he mentioned that. We are strongly winning in two enormously important areas which will determine the future of our country. Poll after poll, including exit polls, show that a strong majority of the American people support our progressive agenda. The American people are deeply concerned about the grotesque level of income and wealth inequality in this country. Now, there is something that is all of a sudden surfacing in uh, in Michigan, and it'll probably surface in other places. Apparently, Michigan State University and a number of other voting locations in the state yesterday, students had to stand in line for, in some cases, six hours to vote and had to leave. They had class. They had they had to go to work. Uh, they had to go get inoculated from the coronavirus, something. And they didn't vote. And they think it's done on purpose. They think that they were defrauded. Students who everybody thinks would vote for Bernie Sanders. So this is something, and it's it's beginning to surface now. And even Jill Stein, who uh, was was part of the whole mess back in 2016, is accusing the Democrats of vote fraud here in an effort to stymie support for crazy Bernie, make it look like Biden had this major sweeping victory. It is really, folks, it's really crazy. Joe Biden can't draw flies to a rally, and yet we're to believe that there is massive, uncontrollable energy for the guy at polling places. I'm not buying that. Rush Limbaugh meeting and surpassing all audience expectations every day. Great to have you here, folks. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, is 800-282-2882. The email address, lrushbo at eibnet.us. I check emails. I uh, What I do is scan the subject line. And more often than not, the subject line gets me a good one. So if, if you're clever with subject lines, you never know. It may spur me seeing your email. And there's thousands and thousands of thousands. I mean, you scan these things pretty quickly. Cheryl Atkinson has just tweeted the following about 10 minutes ago. She's the former CBS uh, info babe, the uh, former CNN, I mean, way back, a uh, long time ago, CNN info babe. And she writes, so to sum up, a majority of the 30-plus U.S. coronavirus deaths occurred in Washington State elderly facilities. The handful of additional deaths are among elderly and sick, mostly 80 years of age and older. 
So be very careful if you're elderly or if you have sick, older loved ones. Everybody else so far is okay or recovered. Oh, is she going to get in trouble? <sighs> Does she realize what she's done here? She's just made the case that there's no reason for panicking over any of this. Look, I've got a couple pieces about that that I want to share with you, but i got to get to the phones as well, because people have been holding for quite a while. Here's uh, Jeff in Naples. Eh, great to have you, sir. Hi. Hi, Rush. Uh, nobody is talking about the fact that Joe Biden has had two brain aneurysms and two surgeries, and the first aneurysm ruptured. So uh, it affected his speech area, and that's not a real good resume enhancer. Also, he doesn't correct his bumbling because he sometimes doesn't realize his mistakes. So he misremembers dates. He misremembers details of past milestones in his life. And people who question Trump's mental status have absolutely no concern about Biden. Uh, so what are they going to do? Uh, go down with a sinking ship or uh, maybe break out? Well, the you know, that's a good th- th- that is a good point. Now, I'm I. I am aware that Biden has had, I didn't know about two. I, I remember the first uh, aneurysm he had. It was an emergency. They caught it before it burst. He had uh, surgery. I didn't know I didn't know about a second one. Uh, but it it is uh, obvious that he doesn't have uh, all his faculties. And hey, look, he's 77 years old and it's not a it, 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 it is what it is. But you're right. People are not allowed to talk about it. People are not allowed to mention it because he's a Democrat. If it were Trump making these kinds of mistakes, why you could you, – in fact, you would have to be leading with it. Let me let me find um, – damn it. I had a soundbite here. I'm, hang on. It's uh, – yep, here we go. Grab soundbite number nine. The esteemed political senior – senior, semi-retired political analyst at the Fox News Channel, the esteemed Brit Hume last night with Tucker Carlson. Question, there have been a number of clips recently where the vice president explodes in aggression. What do you think this is, Brit? I don't remember him um, exploding at voters uh, like the, uh, he did in this incident today and hurling profanity the way he did, telling the guy he was full of spit, except he didn't say spit. Um, that's that's something new. He's begun to forget things. He didn't know what state he's in. He couldn't remember where he was when he met with the Parkland students when he said it was in the White House, suggesting that he, like so many people his age, uh, is losing his memory and is getting senile. And I don't think there's any doubt about it. I have traces of this myself. Well, see, so I guess as long as you're willing to admit that you yourself are becoming senile, senile when you see it in others, then you can get away with it. But I'm just adding somebody else to the list here. You, you, you talk about about Biden, and he did he did tell a voter yesterday. He said, "You're full of shit," and then got into an argument with him about guns and AR-14s. And there's no such thing as an AR-14; it's an AR-15. And Biden was. I mean, he was he was really filled with animosity toward toward this voter. And my observation, in addition to this is just, you know, odd stuff. What struck me is that so many never Trumpers 
have signed on with Biden, like Bill Kristol, and I can go down the list of names, because because Trump is so uncivil. Trump is so unsophisticated. He's so embarrassing. We could never get behind the, 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 the crease in his slacks, for example, like we could Obama. He's just so uncouth. He's got that odd hair and orange skin. He's just an ogre. But Trump never tells anybody they're full of shit. Here's Biden actually acting embarrassingly and condescendingly towards somebody with 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 unsophisticated, uncivil behavior. And and do you think these guys say anything about it? No. You know, in fact, what they're doing, they're out saying Biden was brilliant with this guy. He got down into it with this guy fact after fact after fact. He was telling this guy it was wrong. This was this this was why we never Trumpers think Biden is great. I mean, they're actually defending it. Seen a couple of tweets. I'm not going to mention the names of the never Trumpers because I don't want to give them any more attention than they're already seeking. Uh We'll stick with the sound bites. Maxine Waters, this is number 10, last night on a website called Just the News. And the correspondent asked her a question. Who do you most like, Auntie Maxine, Biden or Bernie? It's not about um, who you like. It's about now watching and understanding who can beat Trump. Do you think Biden has what it takes to beat Trump? I don't know, but we'll see. She doesn't think so. She doesn't think Biden can beat Trump. And she's right. Biden can't beat anybody. This is, this is I think, what, what all of these Democrats who are trying to shut down this primary now. And Stop and think of that. You know, we, we laughed at it. We had our fun. But stop and think of what these clowns are suggesting. From James Clyburn to James Carville to the Democrat Leadership Council, they're all talking about ending this now. Democrat voters have spoken. Democrats have made it perfectly clear the candidate they want. They want they want Joe Biden. Biden is a guy. They do. This is what this is what this means. Now shut it down before even half the delegates are picked. Here's Donna Brazil. Donna Brazil this morning in a Fox and Friends, and she had this to say about Biden. He's a man of passion. He will speak his mind. He will tell you things that you look at him and you're like, "Mm." I have to tell you, I went to the White House three months after Joe Biden became vice president. And he sat me down and he looked at me. Come on, we're doing this thing. We're doing the Biden thing. Right. And he said, let's have a black on black discussion. I looked at him and I'm like, I'm black. Joe Biden speaks from here. Okay. sometime when you speak from here, you don't get it right. Uh, Now, I need to I need to translate here what this glittering jewel of wisdom was pointing out. This is Donna Brazil, and she was pointing to her heart. Joe Biden sat down with me, Donna Brazil. You don't know it, but I'm black. 
You cannot hear me on you If you don't see me, you wouldn't know I'm black. And Joe Biden sat down and said, let's have a black-on-black discussion. And instead of laughing him out of the room, and instead of calling him a racist pig, and who do you think you are? I had to stop and realize that Joe Biden got a big heart. And that's where that was coming. Black-on-black discussion. No, nobody but Joe Biden would ever say to me, Donna Brazil, let's have a black-on-black discussion. Now, you may not know, but Joe Biden is white. He's so white his skin started to fall off his head have you noticed it it's because he's old but sometimes these people when they want to talk at you black on black that comes right from the heart sometimes when you speak from here meaning your head she would point to joe brain when joe speaks from his brain sometimes he doesn't get it right but when he speaks from his heart he thinks he's black talking to me black woman does people are nuts folks and they're setting themselves up as the brilliant saviors of America and so forth. And they're just a bunch of phony, baloney, plastic, banana, good time rock and rollers that are totally focused on irrelevant things. And having to run around and say some of the stupidest stuff to make excuses for Joe Biden. Black on black. Let's have a black on black discussion. Joe Biden said to me, Donovan, a black on black discussion. That's, that's what people say. Have big hearts. What would happen if I ran into Donna Brazil at Green Room at Fox News said, hey, let's have a black-on-black discussion? What do you think she'd do? She would think, you think she would marvel at my heart? Obviously not. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Rush Limbaugh, America's real anchorman, America's truth detector, and the doctor of democracy. And to San Luis Obispo, California, Randy, great to have you, sir. Hello. Yeah, hi, Rush. Uh, Good to talk to you again. Uh, Strength to you. I know what you're going through. Uh, Listen, the thing with the coronavirus that has struck me is is that we don't really know what the denominator is. I'm a physician, and and, uh, you know, whenever you're talking about statistics, you always got to know what the denominator is, you know, is, and in, in this case, we know about the fatalities, but we don't know about the real number of people that are carrying the virus. Uh, I mean, it may be that a large number of people are carrying the virus. So, and and if, if that denominator gets really big, then the fatality rate, you know, from this disease really drops. There's no doubt that it's a dangerous and a nasty disease. But the fact is, is we need that number. And one of the ways to do it would be to just bite the bullet and test everybody in the country. You know, just go do a nasal swab on everybody. And then at least you'd have the numbers. You'd have the number of the denominator. And then you could see whether, hey, is this really a highly fatal disease or is this something that's not any more fatal than the common flu? And in which case, we already kind of have targeted people. We know the, the 50 and particularly the 60 and up age group are the higher target people. Uh, it may be that that's, that holds out the same. And so... You know, that's how you combat fear and panic is you actually come in with numbers and statistics and knowledge. Eh, wait a minute. You, 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 you just zeroed in on something. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. And, and if you don't want to answer it, feel free. But I, I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot, especially you here. Uh, how many people do you think really want to avoid the panic? Well, I, I think... Just like in a lot of voters, I think the silent majority would, would like to have the knowledge and would like to avoid the panic. But I think that, uh, as you're, I think, indicating that 
there are a large number well, of the people, people that, those people have nothing it. to say about who's getting tested or not this is this is a government opera by the way about getting tested i didn't think we had enough test kits to test very many people well, well, yeah that definitely can be is, is a limiting factor but i mean still you can at least take you know a large swath of the population and test them all yeah ideally you'd want to test everybody but of course it's going to be limited by the number of test kits that you can get available but you still could test you know a large amount even if it's a million i think they talked about having four million uh, test kits available or or going to be available soon you know if you tested four million and it turned out that of that four million you know maybe two million you know had the virus but in fact you know, two million, and you divide the the number of deaths deaths by that two million. You say, well, gosh, it's really a very low number, you know, and it's it's really not any more you know deadly than the flu. And 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 this is not to say not to use good public health, you know, standards like what they're talking about, trying to limit congregation of long large crowds. But you know, maybe you don't have to. But the economic effect of this is going to be so big as it is. You know, I mean, from, you know, all these things that are being canceled, you know, the economic effect. Hey, hey, by the way, speaking of that, the University of Wisconsin has just been canceled until April the 10th. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a huge amount of money you're talking about. And the cost of... It's a lot of learning that's not going to happen either. Pardon? It's a lot of learning that isn't going to happen. The university has been canceled since <laughs> until yeah. April the 10th. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and and you're seeing all kinds of this, and, and how much is the economic effect? And if you went out and you tested everybody, it would cost a lot of money, but it would be a one-time thing. You'd, you'd, you'd have a, a much better handle on what your real number is as far as fatality rates, and then you could make some more reasonable, uh, you know, guided, you know, uh, plans uh, as such. I mean, you, 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 you cancel a lot of these concerts now that are, that are predominantly young people that go to them, and in fact, those are the people that, you know, it's a very, very low fatality rate, right. you know, so, so maybe you don't have to cancel all those, those, those concerts that young people go to. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, you, you don't know if you don't have a number. And, and right now, we don't have a number. No, we don't. And that serves the political objectives of quite a few people. Very, very if, definitely. If we don't have the number, we can say it's whatever we want it to say. We can project it to be as bad. Like I just saw Governor Inslee of the state of Washington going through a mathematical progression with a bunch of ifs. Right. And if this and an if this and if this and if this and if this we could have we could have we could have four million infected if this if, Whoa, four million wait, slow down, dude. What are you talking about here? Well if and if and if and if and if and then they brought some well, his math is right, but we don't but, know but, if anything else he said is right. But but that's the denominator. Yeah. Know? That that many may be, may be infected, but if, if that many is infected, that actually says well, this isn't as lethal a disease as we thought, because we know what the we pretty much know the fatalities. That's a number you can you can measure. I mean, we we have them pretty much. But but you why does nobody talk about the number of recoveries, doctor? Well, you're 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 right. I mean, I hear it every once in a while, but it's kind of always kind of like a side comment at the right. end of some 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 uh, you know fear mongering and 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 you know until you have those numbers and and we could get better numbers than what we have. I mean, you know, you know, ideally you want to test everybody. Okay, you can't test everybody, but you could test a very large number. 
And that could really, you know, really give you an idea as far as how how, how lethal it is. Doctor, it's an excellent point. Thank you very much for calling. I appreciate it. Sadly, out of time. You know, I just saw there's a TV commercial for the Harvey Weinstein Walker that you can buy now. Van Jones of CNN and the Democrat Party is warning the Democrats not to assume that Bernie Sanders voters are going to fall in line once Bernie gets screwed again. And they are openly screwing Bernie in public now by demanding that the primaries and the debates just end and that Biden be declared the Democrat nominee. They want that to happen tonight, tomorrow, whatever. This is the Democrat establishment. Uh, ain't going to happen because Bernie Sanders is going to put up with it. We'll be back. We'll continue in just a second. Hi, welcome back. It's great to have you with us, my friends. Rush Limbaugh, this is the most listened to radio talk show in America, in the country. The EIB Network. And, of course, the network houses the distinguished Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Studies. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 800-282-2882. All right, uh, grab soundbite number 26. John Kasich uh, is lost. John Kasich, a former member of the Republican freshman class, 1995. He was part of the... The generation that swept in for the first time, the Republicans won 40 years in the House of Representatives, 1994 elections. He was the budget committee chairman, and this guy used to be as conservative as you and I are. And I, I don't know what happened. He's, he's uh, still calls himself a Republican. He's a never-Trumper now. I mean, I know that happened, but I think... Something happened even before that. He ran for governor of Ohio, got elected. And, but anyway, he was he was on with CNN, which he's he's on with CNN frequently. The uh, info bay, Brianna Keeler, said, uh, "Governor Kasich, former governor, K- what what do states need to do now? Is there any place?" where you feel like states need to open their eyes and maybe confront something? Or, or do you think that the states are, are doing a good job? This is about the coronavirus. You think states are doing a good job now? What, what do the states need to do? Every governor has to assemble the best people they can get. And the, you don't want to have political people in there. I went through this when we had an Ebola threat. And the key is uh, you want to really, in a sense, <clears throat> over-prepare uh, what you don't want to do is to worry about the criticism. You know, for example, why are they canceling these games? Why can't we get in? What about the impact? You can't worry about those things. That's right. You just need to start canceling things. You just need to start canceling things and, and, and don't worry about the criticism. Well, on, I'll tell you, if that's, if that's the thinking, we may as well start canceling driving. Because, folks, do you know how many people die every year because of automobile accidents? You can, I mean, you can blame it on the wheel if you wanted to. If it weren't for the wheel, these deaths wouldn't be happening. And it's a, it's a round number, pretty solid number. 50,000 Americans a year die because of automobile accidents. They're either behind the wheel, they get hit by a car, they're in a car that's in an accident. 
So why not just if it's that deadly, you know, why why not just ban it? What is it interesting? My my point here is, this is political, folks. Everything has become political in our life today. This is not, they want you to think this is a health issue, and of course part of it is, but it's been politicized. As I said, when this whole thing began, the coronavirus has been weaponized by the media and by opponents of Donald Trump as the latest weapon they might be able to use to get rid of him or to damage his political standing or what have you. At no time did I ever say that the deep state invented the virus and is using it to kill people so as to blame Trump. That's cockeyed. I don't even know who would even come up with that. Somebody at BuzzFeed actually said that's what I said. Like everybody else, I know where this came from. It came from China. If anybody is responsible for the creation of the virus, it's the Chinese. It's the Chicom government. But it has been weaponized as as a way. And, and my my point here is, we as a society, we tolerate automobile deaths. We factor them in. We build them into what is acceptable to us. Why? Why do we do this? We obviously have factored in, and it's been baked in, the number of flu deaths that happen to Americans every year. We know that number is between 16,000 and 30,000 a year, and we factor it in. So right there with just automobile accidents and the flu, we're looking at 100,000 deaths a year, 80 to 100,000 deaths just with those two things. Now, I don't care what the coronavirus is. We're nowhere near 80 to 100,000 deaths even now around the world. The number of deaths around the world is over 4,000. We're nowhere near what we tolerate. With automobile accidents and the flu, or to tolerate, accept, or what have you. So why? What What is behind this? Well, look, I, I know we've had movies about contagions and pathogens and the Andromeda strain and the uh, the lurking possibility that one of these things could come along and wipe out everybody, and this might be the one that's going to do that, even though there isn't. Uh, any evidence of it. And I mentioned that I had come across a couple of pieces today that attempt to bring some perspective to the coronavirus. One of the pieces is found at the American Institute for Economic Research. It's a piece written by Jeffrey Tucker. And the headline is, Why This Draconian Response to COVID-19? And this guy is a medical professional. He is a doctor. And one of the things that I've observed is I've watched Anthony Fauci, National Institutes for Health, or Institute for Health. And as I've watched any number of other experts speak, you know what I've observed, ladies and gentlemen, is that medical professionals seem the least panicked of anybody. 
the people that seem the most panicked are politicians, followed by media, and it's a close first and second there. I've not seen anybody more panicked than I just saw the governor of Washington, Jay Inslee, who I think is a little bit of a nutcase anyway. And then you've got Governor Cuomo in New York, and then you've got the media, CNN, NBC, MSNBC. These people are panicking out of their gourds happily. I mean, it's a happy panic that the, that the media has. But medical professionals seem to be the least panicked of anybody. It's, it's almost as if the media and the left and the Democrats want to inflict damage on our economy. It's almost like they, they're, they're more eager to report that than they are to report that the virus may be contained. If we are to believe the Chai comes, it's a big if. The case, the case number, the cases of uh, coronavirus in China are now on the downhill side of things. They have peaked in China. That would seem to be big news, but it isn't. They're hardly interested in reporting that. Instead, the damage done to the U.S. economy. Now we've shut down the University of Wisconsin for the next month. Here in Florida, I'm told that the school systems are telling students to not go to school, but to do learning online. So there still will be education taking. Let me ask this. What happens with all these places shut down? What happens if after a month they realize at the University of Wisconsin that we don't have to reopen? We can do every bit of educating that we do here online. We don't have to have the buildings open. We don't have to pay for electricity. We don't have to pay to heat, air conditioning the place. We don't need to do this. We don't need to do that. As these institutions shut down places, don't think that there isn't going to be some kind of react. You can't just, you can't shut down a university for a month without somebody having a reaction to how that went, how that goes. We will just have to see. There's also a gigantic move being made in the drive-by media to try to get Trump to cancel his political rallies. Yeah, they're concerned that Trump's Trump's deplorables might get coronavirus. Don't don't give me you can't make me believe that the Democrats and the media are concerned about the health of Trump supporters attending a Trump rally. That's not why they want the rally shut down. They want the rally shut down so that Trump doesn't do any rallies. So here's a pull quote from this story by Jeffrey Tucker. Quote, what's interesting, Psychology Today points out, is that your doctor is not panicking. Exactly what I just observed. COVID-19 is a new virus in a well-known class of viruses. Well-known class of viruses. The con- the coronaviruses are cold viruses. Why? Who said that? Who who said the coronavirus is a cold virus? Who said that, Mister? I think it might be Mister Limbaugh who said that. 
And if Mr. Limbaugh, who has been reamed and chastised, as usual, by a bunch of nobodies, know-nothings, for a proper characterization, Mr. Tucker writes, Dr. Tucker, I have created countless, or treated countless patients with coronaviruses over the years. In fact, we've been able to test for them on our respiratory panels for the entirety of my career. We know how cold viruses work. They cause runny noses, sneezing, cough, and fever. They make us feel tired and achy. For almost all of us, they run their course without medication, and in the vulnerable, they can trigger a more severe illness like asthma or pneumonia. Pneumonia. Yes, this virus is different. This coronavirus is different and worse than others. But it still looks very familiar. We know more about it than we don't know. (gasps) Really? Wait, wait, wait. We know more about this coronavirus than we don't know? How can that be? Doctors know what to do with respiratory viruses. As a pediatrician, I take care of patients with hundreds of different viruses that behave similarly to this one. We take care of the kids at home and we see them if the fever is prolonged, if they get dehydrated, or if they develop breathing difficulty. Then we treat those problems and support the child until they get better. Sounds rather simple. Sounds rather common. Here's another pull quote. Are we really ready to imprison the world, wreck financial markets, destroy countless jobs, and massively disrupt life as we know it, all to forestall some uncertain fate, even as medical professionals do know the right way to deal with respiratory illness in general from a medical point of view? It's at least worth debating. Meanwhile, governments are willy-nilly making drastic decisions that profoundly affect the status of human freedom. Their decisions are going to affect our lives in profound ways, and there has thus far been no real debate on this. It's just been presumed that containment of the spread rather than the care of the sick is the only way forward. You know, it's such a great point. Other than treat the sick... We're all obsessed with containing the spread. Well, good luck with that. Has anybody ever contained the spread of the common cold? Has anybody ever contained the spread of the flu? No, it's a guaranteed failure. And when the failure is announced, guess what? It's more panic. We have lost the ability to contain the spread of COVID-19. Well, you can't contain the spread of anything else either. These diseases run their course. But when you announce that your objective is to contain the spread, you are, I'm sorry, folks, that's a political decision and it's guaranteed to fail by design. Have we contained the spread of cancer? Have we contained the spread? take Take your pick of any disease you want. Have we contained the spread? Have we stopped people from getting it? No. That would truly be a miracle. If we had actually contained the spread, the way they're talking about the way we do contain the spread by limiting the number of people. But normally it's the viruses that do that. The viruses need healthy hosts. And once they run out of healthy hosts, they themselves fade away.
the viruses. It's what happens to Ebola. We don't defeat Ebola. Ebola runs out of healthy hosts. I know many of you think Obama cured Ebola, but I hate I hate to tell you that wasn't the case. Okay, folks, a case, a case in point right here, my formerly nicotine-stained fingers. The very top headline on the Drudge page right now is this. Top doc, colon, virus 10 times more lethal than the flu. Now, wait. That's not the, that, that, that they're burying the lead. That headline is going to scare people to death. It's an outrageous headline. The headline comes, from, it's not Drudge's headline. It's the, the, the website is called The Week. Coronavirus 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu, Trump's task force immunologist says. That's not the point of the story. Do you know what's really the death, the point of the story? The, the fatality rate is just 1% from this disease. So who cares if it's 10 times more lethal than the flu? The fatality rate of coronavirus is 1%. Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, told lawmakers a hearing on Wednesday that COVID-19 is probably about 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. At the same time, he clarified that 10 times figure actually brings the new fatality rate lower than official estimates, which hover around 3%. The flu has a mortality rate of about 0.1%. So Fauci places the new coronavirus lethality rate at somewhere around 1%. That's the story. It isn't that it's 10 times more lethal than the flu. And this is how this crap gets politicized. Pardon my yelling. But this stuff is what ticks me off. And my instincts tell me this. I know this kind of trickery and monkeying around with stuff is going on in these things. Because I know the media. I know the left. I know the Democrat Party. And I know how they're trying to scare everybody. And now they're using Fauci here. This is Trump's guy. Trump's guy is saying it's ten times more lethal than the flu, which means nothing. Ten times more lethal. Lethal than what? What does lethal mean? Does lethal kill you? Does lethal infect you? Does lethal give you a temperature of 102 versus 105? What does it do to you? It's a meaningless comparative. Ten times more lethal. The, the, the only thing worth knowing in this story is that Anthony Fauci says the fatality rate to coronavirus is much less than they believed. It is 1%. It is not between 3 and 6%. And that's that, that number, 3 and 6%, has been out there for a couple of weeks. So here comes a news story saying, guess what? The fatality rate's only 1%, and that's not the headline. The headline is coronavirus 10 times more lethal than seasonal flu, Trump's task force immunologist says. Well, yeah, he may have said it, but that w- it was, it was a, a, a setup for the actual lead in the story. And you have to read to the last paragraph to get to the nut. At the same time, Dr. Fauci did clarify 
that 10 times figure actually brings the coronavirus fatality rate lower than official estimates. So what the hell is the point of a headline that says the, 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 the coronavirus is 10 times more lethal than the flu? If what that means is the fatality rate is actually much less than we thought it was. It isn't 3 to 6%. It's 1% tops. So, no, I'm not apologizing for one damn way I've approached this today. And I'm not going to apologize. Not that anybody's demanding anyway. So this is how it works. I'm just watching CNN during the break. And uh, Jim Acosta is saying, and it's not going great for the White House today. Anthony Fauci has been contradicting the president all day and most recently pointing out that the virus is 10 times more lethal than the flu. So the drive-by media has their headline based on something Fauci said, but they're leaving out the lead. They're leaving out the main point that Fauci's. Now, they're even lying about Fauci contradicting Trump all day long now. Anthony Fauci's got his work cut out for him. He's having to contradict the president all day long by pointing out today the virus is 10 times more lethal than the flu. It doesn't matter. The fact what Fauci said that that 10 times more lethal than the flu figure actually brings the coronavirus fatality rate lower than official estimates. Why can't they say that? Why can't they say that the new discovery is that the coronavirus fatality rate is not 3 to 6%, it's 1% and falling, by the way. Why don't they say that? Well, because it doesn't fit the agenda, because there's a political agenda behind this. They have weaponized this, and they're doing everything they can to damage Trump. This is no more than the continuation of Trump-Russia collusion and the meddling and all that, and then we have the Ukraine impeachment phone call. It's so tough not to just blow my gasket sitting here, folks, because every day my instincts are proven right on the money. Don't ever become a conformist. The best way to be made a fool every day is to become a conformist. You know, some of the best product inventions happen as a result of pure curiosity. Bold and Branch Sheets came about this way. A husband and wife couple discovered what a great night's sleep they got on a pair of luxury sheets at a five-star hotel. They had never experienced sheets that felt the way these did in their five-star hotel suite. They wanted to find out where they came from, how they were made, how much they cost. They went in search of sheets like the ones in the hotel. They found them in retail stores, and they found they cost $1,000. And they said, well, uh, we're not going to spend $1,000 on a pair of sheets. We're just not going to do it. So they determined to invest the time to find the materials and see if they could make their own sheets for a much more reasonable price point. So they went out and they found what they thought was the best fabric they could get that ended up being the softest sheets that they could make. And then they shared them with family and then with friends and they asked for feedback and the feedback was awesome. And that's how Bowling Branch started. 
The sheets still sell for less than 200 bucks. When you buy a set, use my name in the purchase process, you'll save 50 bucks. So you can get your first set for $150 if you use my name. And they are the same sheets that you will find on a five-star hotel suite bed. You, you, you're going to be amazed at how large this company has become uh, because now they sell not just sheets but pillows and towels and throw blankets, even top-of-the-line mattresses now. And you can experience it all for yourself online at BolandBranch.com, B-O-L-L-N Branch.com. And there's always a 30-day guarantee, I meaning you get to try their products like the sheets. You get to try them for 30 days. And if they don't meet your expectations, because they're not they're not making anything up here. They're not they're not lying about anything. If if you don't agree that they are the most luxurious soft sheets you've ever slept on, send them money back. Or send the sheets back and you get all of your money back. You're out nothing. By the way, the return rate is less than one percent. It's very tiny. Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-N Branch.com. Okay, Keith in Palm Bay, Florida. I'm really glad you, you waited. I appreciate your patience. Hello. Mega dittos and prayers for you and your family. Thank okay. you very much, sir. Uh, as being a longtime student of yours, and even though me and Jeannie are, are boomers, we still stay informed as much as possible. We haven't panicked. We're, we're treating this just like you know flu or anything else. And as far as prepping, we, you know, because of the government and hurricanes, we've already been prepped. The only thing I had to get was some Louisiana hot sauce. But I do have a concern after seeing a report from the end of the world news uh, out of Italy, which, as you know, Florida is a microcosm of, of Italy in population and age. You know, the villages and assisted living on every other corner. Their report was about hospital capacity. And they say because of the panic of the of the public, uh, which the media is ramping us up into, their hospital capacity is so overwhelmed that their doctors are literally becoming uh, death panels and deciding who is healthy enough to treat and who is not. So I hope Florida is ramping up on, on their hospital situation. Uh, you know, I think it's ridiculous that local... Local uh, paramedics and fire say that they're not ready. They're waiting for word from the federal government. Haven't we been ramping up for this pandemic for a long time? Don't they already, shouldn't they already know? I mean, a lot of this is common sense. And I do have a little disagreement on your uh, sneezing situation. A little disagreement on the sneezing situation. Yeah, I wouldn't hit them. I'd kick them in the royal jewels and then get rid of them. Oh, well, yeah, that's a degree. How much pain you want to inflict if somebody with the virus sneezes on you. Look, at I'm looking at here CNN, coronavirus, probably 10 times more lethal than seasonal flu. It's not this. Why don't you tell people what they're just openly lying to you, folks? Well, did Fauci say, yes, Fauci said it, but he also said that what it means is that the fatality rate for this virus is not 3 to 6%. It's 1%. The point of the story is they have learned that the fatality rate is not nearly as high as they thought it was for coronavirus. That's what CNN ought to be telling people. Dishonest bunch of SOBs is what they are. They're doing it on purpose. They know if they could read the story, I can read it. 
Or better still, if I can read it, they can. Fauci knows how they're misreporting it. Where's Fauci correcting them on this? Now, about your point about Italy and Florida. I haven't forgotten it. Here's the thing. You people may not know this, but the Chicoms have been buying up Italy faster than you can say coronavirus. The Chicoms have been buying up the Italy uh, soccer league. There is so much travel between China and Italy, you wouldn't believe it. Far more than there is between China and Florida. The, 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 the virus does not know Italy from anywhere else. The virus can only go where people who have it take it. Italy is not getting this virus because they got so many old people stranded on street corners. Italy is not getting the virus because there's a bunch of water flowing around Venice. Italy is getting the virus because a lot of travel happens between China and Italy. The state of Washington is getting hit because there's a lot of travel between China and the state of Washington. Same thing, California. Now, if you can find where a lot of people from China are traveling to Florida, or a lot of people in Florida have gone to China and come back, then you have reason to be concerned. But but Florida is not Italy simply because of an elderly population. The virus does not say, yeah, you know what, we only get elderly people, so let's go where they are. How about, how about we go to Italy? And one virus says to the next virus, fine, we'll meet in Italy. See, it's not how it happens. Viruses have carriers. Same thing we were talking about here with this containment story. The, the, the containment story is a, is a fool's errand. We don't contain anything. Viruses contain themselves. Curing a virus is containment, and we haven't cured a virus yet, folks. We have vaccines, but we don't have a cure for a virus. We've, we have successful vaccines like polio and this kind of thing, but in terms of a cure, that, that's something mankind hasn't come up with. Ebola. We don't contain Ebola. Ebola runs out of healthy hosts by killing them. So the way to contain Ebola is to make sure that people who get it are quarantined, sadly, but that's it. But we don't contain it with medicine that attacks it. We contain Ebola by making sure it runs out of healthy people to infect. It's the same thing with a lot of other viruses. It's going to be true of the coronavirus as well. This, and this, so you're being set up when these same lying SOBs at, at CNN tell you that containment efforts are failing. Well, guess what? They've never succeeded in the sense that CNN's trying to convince you. We can't contain the virus by coming up with a medicine that stops it. Have we contained the common cold? Have we contained the flu? No. People who get it have to have it run its course. There isn't medicine that shortens the cold. You can go get over-the-counter things, treat symptoms, and if you get the flu, you can ask people to give you some IV fluids to speed your process through it. But there's no containing it. Uh, it, The language and the way the media is treating this virus is they're setting everybody up to be fooled into thinking that we will, we can contain others, but we can't contain this one because this one's really bad. This one's really bad because of Trump or whatever connection they're trying to make. We don't contain the cold. We don't contain the flu. You get it, you get it. 
There's no stopping it. You can get a flu shot, but that's not going to guarantee you don't get the flu, is it? How many get a flu shot and still get the flu? And then you tell yourself, well, it's not going to be as bad because I got a flu shot. Maybe just as bad. We don't know. How many of you get a common cold shot every year? Oh, yeah, there's not a common cold shot. Wonder why there's not a common cold shot. You ever wondered what the most common virus in the world, why we can't stop it, why we can't contain it, why we can't cure it, why we can't prevent it? It's the common cold for crying out. It's a runny nose. It's a cough, and we can't even stop that. It's the most basic virus there is, and we have absolutely nothing we can do about it. And we're being told we may not be able to contain coronavirus. Folks... This, I have to take a break. I'm going long. Back here in just a Pretty big audience we have here, folks. You can imagine there's a select number of people in this audience having trouble with the IRS. It's a law of averages, and most of it will come down to money. How much people owe, how much they are past due, uh, how aggressive is the IRS being in trying to collect the money. Now... If you're one of these people who owes the IRS money, uh, and, and it's enough that you can't pay it off, you can't pay off the debt, then it can be immobilizing. It can be distracting, and it can have damaging impact on other aspects of your life. And nobody sees that more than the staff working at Optima Tax Relief. They have resolved over a billion dollars in tax debt over the past decade, resolving one tax problem after another. And no two circumstances start out the same way because there's always a reason the tax debt racked up in the first place. But every case concludes with some of the same characteristics. There is a solution found and a healthy amount of fear and uncertainty. Look, this is a bunch of gobbledygook. The point of the matter is if you have problems with the IRS, there's an outfit out there that can help you solve them. And it's something you shouldn't take on yourself because you simply don't have all the information or the ability. You're too afraid of the IRS. You're afraid to be assertive or whatever. Let somebody else do it for you. Let somebody else represent you. People at Optima contend with the IRS all the time. Many of the people at Optima have worked with the IRS. They know how they operate. They can get the benefit of things the IRS will do that you may not be aware of. Options the IRS offers you may not be aware of. Optima Tax Relief will do it right. It'll even tell you about the IRS Fresh Start Initiative, which may be appropriate in your case. Call them today, 800-973-7700. That's Optima Tax Relief. At 800-973-7700. Okay, Bob in Kalamazoo, Michigan, I'm glad you waited. You're next, sir. It's great to have you. Rush, uh, thanks for taking the call, and uh, my best to you. Uh, Hope things work out. Thank you, sir, Uh, very much. The reason I'm calling, I may be part of the unknown denominator that the doctor talked about earlier. Uh, January 11th is my birthday, me and my and the birthday the celebration was canceled. Uh, me and my wife both had something. We both get flu shots. We're sixty-seven years old. We've never had this an illness like we had the middle of January. And what it what it turned out to be was for my wife, it was six days of a fever over a hundred and one. During two of those days, she hit one hundred and four. 
And my, I, I came down with it about seven days after she did. Um, Let me I ask did, you a question. Did you two yeah. die and you were speaking to me from no. beyond the grave? No, I have not died yet. So you, you survived this? Yes, I have. Okay. But it was unlike, I mean, at, at our age, we've had our share of flu and cold. We get flu shots. This wasn't like anything we had before. Okay, so you're thinking you might have been a carrier. You might have had this. And so I know what your point is. You, you, you're, you're, how do we know that, you, like, you've, you've had this, maybe, maybe this has been around a lot longer than anybody knows, and a lot of well, people have survived it. Yeah, why would I think that the Chinese are, are, are going to tell us information until they absolutely have to? So what I'm thinking is this, this, may, have been, this may have been something that's been in the country since, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's November or December. Well, I've had, no, I think this reason I want to take your call. I've had a lot of people advance this theory. Uh, Victor Davis Hansen, by the way, one of a good friend of mine, actually subscribe. He thinks that this thing has been around for a long time, that a lot of people have been carrying it who have not suffered from it. A lot of people have gotten it and survived it, and that it's, 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 it's not nearly the deadly or damaging thing that we've all been led to believe. I'm glad you called, Bob. i got to go because I'm out of time. We'll be back here to wrap up in a minute. James Clyburn is uh, urging Joe Biden to pick a black woman as running mate. And what Clyburn wants, Clyburn better get. See you tomorrow, my friends. Have a great rest of the day. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.